FIS Castaway, the podcast keeping you in the know about the shipping and commodity world. To keep up to date, sign up to our FIS Live app at www.fis-live.com or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Hello, uh, I'm Chris Hudson and you're listening to Castaway, FIS's freight and commodity podcast. It is a very sunny but hazy morning, a Wednesday 21st of April in London. Uh, I am joined by Kerry and Tom, of course, all the way from Singapore. Hello, guys. Hi, Chris. Morning, guys. So a nice little brief update on our, our main markets uh, as we look forward to hopefully a shipping emissions special next, next week. week. Yes, exactly. Uh, important topic. Uh, we will have two special guests next week, so uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, but uh, we've got our main markets update for, for this podcast and something to look forward to next week. So let's go into the news. Let's go into our indexes and let's go into some of the points behind all of those markets and the movers and shakers. So in terms of the news, European political leaders pledged to stop plans to create a new Super League plan by Europe's top football clubs. Derision from many people in the office on that. Uh, the United States advise against traveling to 80% of the world's countries in order to combat the COVID crisis. Russia expelled Bulgaria's diplomats as tensions with the West flare up, with the EU reporting some 100,000 Russian troops harassing on Ukraine's border. The UK announced new ambitious plans to cut carbon emissions by 78% by 2035, up from its previous target of 68% by 2030. And Joe Biden committed to withdrawing the remaining 3,500 US troops from Afghanistan. Let's go to the settlements. In terms of oil and the fuel oil products, uh, we've seen up across the border, apart from the high fives. So Brent up 3.82%, ending 66.37 last night, and again up slightly on this morning in current trading. Rot 3.5%, up 5.39%, 365.45, and Sing 380 also up about 5%, 376.98.5. The 0.5s, the very low soft fuel oil, up both uh, nearly 3%. 464.34 on the ROT.5 and 485.59 on the SING.5. And the high fives, the difference between the very low sulfur fuel oil and the high sulfur fuel oil has uh, dropped quite a, quite a bit. Um, back below 100 on the ROT high five, 99 yesterday, down 5.7%. And the SING high five down to 109, down 5.2% week on week. Uh, Kerry, what about the freight? A uh, relatively strong week on the Capes. Uh, Cape size 5TC at 28.652. That's up 2597 or 9.9% on the week. But the real story, of course, the Panamax 4TC average at 21.674. Yesterday, that was uh, up 5,927 or 37.6% in the week. And Tom, the iron ore. Uh, a real nudge towards the moon again uh, on iron ore. So the 62% was $172.35 last week now, or yesterday rather, was $187.75, so up 8.93%. And the 65% uh, broke through 200 and sustained through 200 last week and now has pushed on further. So was 205.2 uh, last week and yesterday was $222.80, so up 8.76%. Flying high. And then to round off the indexes on the tankers, TC2 up 1%, 128.33. The TC5 down 14% to 111.07. TD3C, the VLs, 34.83, uh, up 9.6% week on week. And TD25 up 22%, 91.25. 
But Kerry, you were talking about the big mover of Panamax. So what, what, <laughs> yeah. what's happening in that As market? I said, a very strong market for the dry freight across the board. But I mean, for the Panamaxes, this is probably one of the biggest weekly jumps in the uh, spot TC average that I can, I can personally recall. Um, and uh, the action started last Wednesday when after a long drought of fixing for, many, for May dates out of East Coast South America, the market roared to life. With charters returning in force, uh, that continued throughout the rest of last week, lifting both basins. Uh, paired with strong inquiry in the Baltic Sea region late last week, the Atlantic soared. And so did optimism from the owners, uh, who pulled back their rates and began to achieve them. Uh, the paper market also picked up on that optimism. Last Wednesday, pushed up by over $3,000 on the front month. Uh, and another 1500 on Thursday, which only added to this sense that the market was on fire. Um, that in turn drew out some further strength in the physical, which continued this week with the Pacific market seeing fresh inquiry out of NOPAC, Australia and Indonesia, uh, and the East Coast South America market remaining strong. So the front month Panamax trading this morning at 25500 uh, over 7000 above their Wednesday open last week with the Q3 contract on those Panamaxes trading at 19875 up a respectable 2600 on uh, where that was trading last week. I guess we see where it goes from here, but, uh, but it seemed like uh, that long period where the charters were holding off for uh, May date fixing uh, out of South America finally broke. And uh, it did seem that people were, were probably hiding a few cargos there that, uh, that needed to be covered. The capes are certainly not being left out, although they haven't seen the same drama. Uh, it's been rather more of a, a steady climb over the past week. Apache Inquiry from Brazil finally picked up yesterday with the C3 fixing at 26 and a half and late in the day, $27 being heard. While a few backhaul stems uh, out of uh, South Africa are helping things as well. The paper has climbed aggressively. Uh, and again, I think that's being helped partially by sentiment from the Panamaxes with the paper trading uh, 35500 on the front month today. That's up $7,500 or so on last week's levels. So again, that paper seeing perhaps even a bigger bounce than the physical market uh, off that sentiment from the Panamaxes. And talking of steady climbs, that's been the, the story on oil and products this week. Um, we've seen a nice move. If you look at week on week from our last podcast, um, moving up around 20 bucks even more now if you include this morning in terms of fuel oil products. And that's been mainly driven by what we've seen on the EIA report that we had. The crude having a five million draw. And then what we talked about last time was those those other product builds. We, we've not seen that in the last figures. We've seen a draw in distillates and a very small build in terms of gasoline. So it seems a lot more positive news coming into the market and helping support these prices back towards those $70 level. We were hovering above 60, but it seems that the, the sentiment and direction has definitely shifted back towards thinking about when are we going to get to 70 rather than yeah. when are we going to hit 60. Um, earlier in the session, we saw that the IEA agency predicts that global oil demand and supply were set to rebalance in the second half of this year and added that many producers will need to actually start to add an additional 2 million barrels a day to you know, meet that expected demand, that demand coming back. We've always talked about that since the start of this podcast, when everything was closed down, lockdowns, when do we return to that pre-COVID levels? Uh, I was reading a story in terms of the news 
yesterday about Primark and they're saying that they are back at pre-COVID <laughs> yeah. shopping levels. I think they said last week was the biggest week they've ever seen uh, in, in the UK and, uh, and Northern Ireland, didn't they? Um, and so. also the gnome shortage, which has been caused by the fact that the Evergreen <laughs> vessel was stuck in the Suez Canal. Clearly causing driving additional demand. So if you are so. waiting for a garden gnome, <laughs> you know who to blame. And I believe the Egyptian government have impounded the ship. So you they can have indeed add unpaid claim. fees, yeah. yeah. You can add your claim to that for your your late gnome. Um, anyway, moving back to oil and products, the number of North American producers that filed for bankruptcy protection in the first quarter of 2021 reached its highest number since 2016. Um, so although this has kind of been slowing in terms of bankruptcies, it's not looking incredible for the North American producers, and especially when you start to look at what's happening in terms of the Biden administration, their agenda, uh, a lot of the kind of wider group of politicians who are behind that um, left wing Democrats, obviously pushing a lot more for that Green New Deal, yeah. Green Agenda, um, and less on the, the old oil. And, and, and if you look at large parts of this infrastructure bill that Biden's proposed, um, you know, certainly significant sections of it match up with what was proposed under the Green New Deal. So let's say, you know, large parts of that are appearing to get pushed through or likely to get pushed through under a under perhaps a new name um, as part of the infrastructure bill. So that's that's certainly not helping things for those domestic producers in the US. Uh, and then to look at Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia drew down on its stock levels in February, even though exports fell um, as the effects of the one million, one million barrel per day cuts. Those are the voluntary cuts that they've taken above and beyond everything agreed with OPEC plus. Um, exports were down to just under one million barrels uh, from January. Um, that was reported in um, S&P Global Platts. Um, and some other things to just appreciate what's happening and some of the movements that are happening uh, in the markets. If you look at the North Sea, uh, private companies' share of UK oil and gas production reached nearly a third last year. And that's up from 8% a decade ago. So you, you're getting a diversification of producers in that North Sea. And we are seeing a lot more kind of continuing to scope for assets uh, and diversification of that. And again, this morning, we were talking about the green agenda in the US, the green agenda in the UK, which we outlined on the, the news brief. Start with that part of that <clears throat> part of that increase is going to come from shipping, yeah. which is now included. And you're seeing this reflected in the high sulfur cracks um, with those seen trading around 27 cents a barrel uh, on the day to minus 791 barrel on April 20th. Um, having fallen in the past week, the fundamentals as a whole, we, we talked about the fact that that high sulfur fuel oil has remained incredibly strong, yeah. despite everyone predicting its death. And I think now you're going to be having a situation where people are going to have to move further away from that high sulfur fuel oil as these environmental controls come in, as people start to talk about cleaning up the shipping industry, the fact that they're going to have to take away 50% of carbon emissions by exactly the IMO's plan 2030 going to 2050. The, there's a huge amount of pressure which we put on on people to clean up their act and part of that will be coming to fuel. So it'd be definitely interesting to see what happens in terms of the fuel complex generally and oil product movements and how refineries change their slate to, to deal well, with. Well, exactly, exactly. And change the situation. Uh, again, something we'll be touching on next week. So Exactly. So do tune in for that shipping missions next week. But Tom, iron ore, round off the group of main commodities for us. Uh, yes, I mean, the 
infrastructure plan that's yeah being formalized uh, in the US has definitely had a knock-on effect on the sort of ferrous complex this week and that's seen the iron ore price skyrocket uh, in conjunction with a further weakening US dollar um, so that's definitely been reflected in the iron ore price over here uh, the last week um, that's been compounded certainly by the fact that the two top iron ore producers uh, globally have really been uh, well have, have failed to hit the, their targets uh, out of the gates this year so Vale um, were fairly short on first quarter output so they came in at 68 million metric tons instead of the six uh, instead of the 72 million metric ton forecast um, bad weather covid uh, closes closes at uh, a couple of uh, ports where there was a sort of uh, load of fire impacting that and then um, Rio as well fell short by 12% on uh, the previous quarter. Um, bad weather coming out of some of the regions where they have their major production facilities there. So, you know, it's a serious impact on supply. Uh, and with sort of demand from China being so strong and the rest of the world coming back online, any sort of supply constraints we said at the beginning of the year would sort of be blown out of proportion um, as the sort of world came back online. And that's definitely been sort of the case the last week um other things i think that are worth noting obviously that the, the weakening dollar has helped sort of blow that out as well but in discussion with sort of traders over the last week as well there's a few people now saying that um because the the correction in the dollar index i think it was it's down 2.6 percent since the first of april and iron ore has become the most volatile dollar linked commodity asset during that period um, taken over from copper and so some traders are now starting to look at iron ore as a counterinflation strategy instead of traditional sort of iron ore play so that's quite an interesting change in the way iron ore might be looked at um, I've not heard that before but fairly interesting um, to hear um, those margins have narrowed a little bit um, with the sort of huge huge um, rise in the iron ore price over the last few days but there's still a lot of room to play with <clears throat> um, and as we said last week when the margins are as healthy as they are even with the iron ore price as high as it is the steel producers in China will keep on buying um, and we are at 973 yuan or RMB a ton uh, down from 1132 but that's still a healthy margin um, so I'd expect demand out of China to still be good um, and the other thing, just to sort of as a sort of contra to those bullish points, um, is that you know, with the, the market is in Chinese terms anyway, it's probably starting to get to overheating territory because that steel price is definitely getting passed on. Um, and there is a bit of noise starting to be made again about whether this is speculation rather than fundamentals driving the price. Um, and normally that does result in some cooling measures um, on the onshore price. That hasn't been reflected in the pricing yet. The financial market has definitely ignored it so far because the price has only gone one way. But it's definitely worth just having at the back of your mind that that has started to be grumbled about once again. Um, but supply shortages and a weak dollar, really the, talk, the story of the week. Yeah. And it's probably worth noting that those steel mill margins are on a downtrend again while they're still quite profitable. Um, they are, uh, they're not, uh, they're not where they were two weeks ago up at that sort of 1200 a ton mark, are they? No, they're not, but there's still a lot of fat in that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, there is. 
And yeah. despite those, uh, what you're talking about in terms of potential for an overheated market, it takes a brave person to sell into this iron ore market. Never oh, sell iron ore. <laughs> You've got to have kahunis of steel, one might say, to, to do such a thing. Um, but to rally off a couple of other products that um, we've got some notes on for that in terms of wet FFAs, we've seen a general trend over the past week or so that's been softening in both clean and dirty rents, rates sorry, at the, the front of the curve with support from Q3 onwards. Um, Aframax routes such as TD25, that's US Gulf Coast to UK, are finding some support um, and jumping quite considerably from Monday to Tuesday overnight. That was, if you're looking at the uh, TCE average, of 3,005 bucks a day to 5,972 bucks a day uh, on that route. Week on week, TC2 spot is up, but between Monday and Tuesday this week, spot represented a 4.5% fall. Uh, transatlantic fuel deliveries between the US and Europe has been the driving factor of that, um, and those are dropping. And then in terms of fertilizers on, on the urea side, the consensus seems to be that there's recent news of the IFFCO setting up oxygen plants at their urea facilities will have limited impact on production and domestic urea supply. However, some expect we could see slight reduction in capacity rates if further resources get directed to the COVID-19 effort. Meanwhile, we're again, we're looking at the uh, India for a tender for their next round of urea imports at the end of the month. Rumours are an announcement um, early this week, so perhaps we will see that today. Uh, the international market is eager for a tender to arrive and see what kind of volume that India are, are looking to absorb. We, are, we do expect an Indian tender to provide some much-needed support and stability uh, for the market, which has seen urea prices slide from multi-year highs across the globe um, this past four to six weeks, with support levels not yet uh, around. So those are the main market updates for today and this week. We hope you will join us again next week for our Shipping Commission special. And anything to, to add before we leave for the week, guys? Nothing from me, guys. Nothing really from my side. Um, let's... Uh... Looking forward to that emission special, and I would still urge people to look at rolling their 4TC Panamax positions into 5TC positions. Uh, last week, admittedly, the uh, the price action uh, on the underlying market precluded a lot of people from rolling those positions, but uh, the Baltic has announced an end date to publishing the 4TC at the end of this year. And uh, and so we will continue to work with both the clearinghouses and the Baltic and all the stakeholders of this market to uh, to get that open interest rolled across to the 5TC contracts. Cool. So to everyone listening, do join us again next week for our hopeful shipping emissions special and all the things looking forward to the future of not just industry in general, but uh, obviously society and the way that we do business. But Tom, thank you for joining me all the way from Singapore. Kerry, again, for your wisdom on the freight. And to everyone else, do join us next week. 